0: know some people that coach at Oregon and they was telling me they said man I've never heard from another assistant coach of how much information was being given to that staff game planning against Colorado so they can beat it Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk joins us now
1: 5 o'clock hours here come on Adam Candy, Miles Simmons just had to listen to that. Um, I I kind of understand what's going on here, but I also feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I don't. What is Keyshawn Johnson talking about that that Dan Lanning and Oregon needed help from outside? Everyone's ganging up on Dion, and you know they needed that to get the win. Like, w- stop, man! I understand a lot of people are backing Dion and they're rooting for him, but some of the stuff is absurd.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for him, too. I think it's a cool story. It's a fun story. It is fun to watch in college football. But like, I, I don't really know what we're doing there. I, I don't think that everybody is so against uh, like Prime like that, that. That doesn't it doesn't track to me. Oh, why would anybody need to do that? Why would anybody want to do that? You know like in and, and especially if you're oregon and you've got a quarterback who's been you know in college football for a hundred years practically what why do you need to, everybody else to help you beat deon sanders like that doesn't it just doesn't track and it, it doesn't make any sense to me so that's why i'm kind of like okay like that's an interesting thing to say i guess but i don't really know if i believe that or think that that's really
1: true i just feel there's i i understand people are rooting for deon for many reasons and some of them are really important reasons but I think judging, say, whites in particular, and thinking like all of us are the same and we all dislike Dion, it, that's, yeah. What's that's, the matter with you people? That's it's pretty <laughs> silly. There are things that have annoyed me about Dion, but I mean, I love what he's doing for college football. We've, I think, we've talked more Dion at times than NFL, which is probably a cardinal sin. But it's kind of demanded it. It's drawn this much attention.
2: Well, right. I mean, you're you're seeing people watch more college football and and more Deion Sanders and more, you know, Colorado probably than ever before, especially more Colorado than ever before. Right. I mean, you had a game in the 1030 time slot Eastern between Colorado and Colorado State that has been a absolute nothing game. Right. But it still drew, I want to say, like seven million viewers on ESPN, in that time slot on a Saturday night, that's pretty crazy. So it, it's not like, you know, Dion's not moving the needle as a coach in at Colorado. Like, this is something that is something, you know, and, and they're a good team. They'll probably lose to SC on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I will watch the game. Yep. I don't understand why they're playing it at, you know, 9 a.m. Pacific time. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, I do understand it. It's a TV thing. But, like, come on, we can do better than that. But, yeah, I mean,
1: it's good for college football, all the things that Deion Sanders is doing. Do we have uh, have Lanning? We do. You got it in the system? Let's play this for Miles because Lanning finally addressed some of the noise. You know, after his speech, a lot of people were mad. Uh, The folks on uh, on FS1, I just played, you know, we just played Keyshawn, who's in now for Shannon Sharp on that Shannon Sharp show. The other guy, the old guy. Uh, Skip, I guess, had some thoughts, and Lanning reacted to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know Skip at all. I've watched him enough to know how often he gets it wrong, so it sounds about right. Here's what I say, we're playing to win the game, right? And you saw a 15-second clip from a window view outside the house of what happens in the locker room, right? I I know our locker room. I'm in the house 100% of the time. I know how our players felt going into
2: that game, and I know what it takes to motivate our players. That's my job, to motivate our players. Inside that house, they felt a certain way. They felt a certain way about a group stomping on the O. They felt a certain way uh, about guys talking to him in the pregame. And
1: Yeah, so I, I think he nails it accurately there that, uh, one, you don't know the Oregon team. Maybe you're not all aware of what happened before the game. Uh, there's also a lot of naivete from casual fans, and good for Dion. He's brought in a lot of people who've never watched football before and don't understand that coaches do this all the time. They annihilate the opponent. In their speeches. Now, Lanning also made sure it was videoed and put out immediately, so there is something mm-hmm. there, but a fiery, insulting pregame speech is nothing new in the world of football.
2: It, it certainly is not, and you just made the point I was going to make. It's like, well, you know, Lanning can say all that, but he did. It, when you know that there are cameras in the room and you know that that thing is going to get cut up and clipped up and, you know, put out on the internet, that's. You're you're performing for the cameras a little bit, and there's I don't know that there's really anything wrong with that, especially as a college coach, right? Where you've got to be recruiting every single day. Everything you do is about recruiting. So you know it's not just oh okay, you know we see him and we like him, and I guess you know I like the Oregon stuff, da 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 da. But like yeah, you know when you're when you're giving that message to your team, and you're trying to motivate your team, but you know the cameras are there. You're also recruiting guys for the next stage of what you want your program to be. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And to Colorado's credit, right, everything that they did, you know, they have worn. You know, they wore the performance. Mm-hmm. They know that they lost. They know that they got blown out, right? So, and they're not saying anything bad about Oregon in response. Now, you, if you, I don't know if you guys have seen that sort of, um, the, I don't know what exactly they call it, the all access, whatever you want to call it, thing that Oregon put out from that game. Where you got pregame like uh, <laughs> the Colorado players were talking, then. Yep. And if you talk and you can't back it up, then hey, we are in a trophy or a Jordan face society. They were. They, you got to wear the Jordan face, and you know Colorado has done that. And we'll see how they respond against USC on Saturday.
1: Mal Simmons with us from Pro Football Talk. will uh, move can on. Can we talk we'll...
2: about? Can we talk well, about Pro Football no, now? Got, Man, I... you've exhausted all of my college no, football. No, no, we <laughs>
1: got I... we've got one more thing because this is not exactly college football. Um, <laughs> You're right, but. Demon spotted a tweet today, and listen, I, I, I understand why Keyshawn's passionate about this, and Richard Sherman is passionate about it. What did Skip tweet out today? Oh, God.
0: Do I have to? Yes! Okay. Yeah, now I'm but, curious. Okay. Is Dion's Colorado now Black America's team? Question mark. Now on Undisputed. Can Skip? <laughs> I ran that- to my TV immediately. <laughs> did you?
1: is uh is that a question that skip should be asking yeah if
2: he wants to draw peep viewers works
1: right got me
2: got you i I mean i kind of want to watch the not just him
1: either no not at all no i
3: mean no i mean Clinton Yates wrote about this for for the undefeated. Like this, the, he he spent a weekend in Colorado and yeah. and basically wrote a version of this story. Like it's not a it's not a, a wild skip storyline. For once, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So sure. what, what was the eight story like? I
3: basically talked about how this is more of a it's too big to say cultural movement, but there is a cultural element to it that is something where Dion is making this. Obviously, because it's what he does, he's making it cool. Like it, he's yes. making it something that people can rally behind, right? And and it's something that is bigger than football, that is not just about football. And he's doing it in a way that a lot of people feel good about.
1: So what's funny about this whole thing is Dion, the football coach, really hasn't been graded, hasn't been eviscerated, hasn't been um, analyzed from the analytics standpoint. Um, Because everyone has that happen eventually. And in the NFL, it is a favorite pastime on social media. And Candy, we got to break down with Miles the Josh McDaniels decisions down the stretch. So fire away here. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm going to start here
3: on on the McDaniels thing with you, Miles, because your Twitter feed during that Sunday night football game read like (laughs) dispatches from a hostage somewhere in a third world country. Like, and I get it because there were moments where we all felt like, my God, I can't believe I have to watch the rest of this. It just was not <laughs> it was not good football. So I, I understand the circumstance in which I'm asking you this question. But when I watched the decisions that McDaniels made at the end, the biggest thing I thought was whether it's this decision or any other clearly wrongheaded decision by Josh McDaniels this Raiders team doesn't have that margin for error. If they win, they're going to win close, and they cannot have a head coach who in any way takes win probability away from them, especially by some measures, 5% win probability.
2: Yeah, um, so I was almost with McDaniels on kicking the field goal. I mean, I was with him, I guess. On kicking the field goal, I understood what he... Initially, what, what he was doing before the leverage penalty, where you're that far away, you, it makes sense to kick the field goal. You get three points, you still have three timeouts, plus the two-minute warning. I get it, right? Because at that point, you need to play defense in some way in order to win the game. And, you know, you you, you need to stop them. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give. But once you decline, or excuse me, once you accept the penalty and you don't decline the penalty and you take the points off the board, you have to go get eight. Or you have to at least try to get eight, right? You you have to get into the end zone and then say, "Okay, we have a two-point play we like, let's use it and let's try to tie the game." So the fact that then you kick another field goal with just over two minutes left you know i've watched so much football this weekend now that it escapes me exactly what the time was but if you do that and you have now wasted a minute what are you doing <laughs> like, what was the entire point of accepting the penalty in the first place you still have Devonte adams right? you still have somebody who is if not the best one of the best receivers in football draw you have to have something up where you like it a- enough on fourth and medium to get him the ball. Like this is a situation you must have practiced. So I just, yeah, I I didn't like any of that from that standpoint. And I I know, I think we've all probably seen the stat where it's like, oh, this is the first time that a coach down eight under three minutes kicked the field goal with blah, blah, blah. Like It was a wrong decision by any measure. Like it's not, when you have something like that where it's like, oh, we can go back and we can show that like, this has not happened in x amount of years like it's not just oh this is the analytics this is the nerds that want to uh, a a coach to do something now like no this is conventional football wisdom that you just got wrong for whatever reason and josh mcdaniels has been a part of the national football league and he's been a head coach before and he's been with somebody we regard as one of the best head coaches of all time enough that he should not have gotten that wrong
3: so here's where I'm stuck with this, Miles, because you mentioned the the decision and I don't think we need to beat that into the ground anymore. But the logic behind it says to me that you didn't trust your team fourth and four from the eight, right? Where you don't necessarily have to get touchdown. You just need a, even a first down at, at that point. Right. Fourth and four at the eight. You can keep going for the one possession that you need to tie this game. But then essentially what you told me as a fan of is that... I want to not only trust my defense to get a stop and we know that this is not a defense that had shown that it was an outstanding defense but you're now telling me that you have trust in an offense that you didn't trust to get four yards or even eight for the touchdown to go what we assume is going to be 80 yards down the field to go get a touchdown to go get the same thing you needed. I I would understand it if it were about a field goal and so it leads me to this to not go back into the decision anymore. You watch a lot of football, Miles, as you just referenced. If the in-game decision is not what Josh McDaniels brings to the team, if the communication element, which does not seem to be there for Josh McDaniels any more now than it was in Denver, is not what he brings to the team, what is it that Josh McDaniels brings to the team as a head coach? Because we've heard plenty about Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator. It didn't necessarily play out like that. In uh, in last week's game, or in the game before that, or in the game before that this year, I think you see where I'm going with all this.
2: Well, okay, I, I you're you got a head coach who's in his second year, right? And I I've been saying this about the Chicago Bears when I've you know been talking on other platforms this week. What do the Chicago Bears do well? I don't really have an answer to that. You know, Justin Fields runs the ball, okay, but the, that's not something that. You can really hang your hat on and really craft an offense. They, they haven't done it because for whatever reason, they just haven't done it. You can kind of say the same thing about the Raiders right now. What do the Raiders do well? Max Crosby gets after the passer really, really well, and he does, and he gets a lot of pressures, and that's fantastic. And I think Max Crosby is a great player. I mean, Josh Jacobs, I mean, you're, you're coming off a game where he finished with minus two yards. Like, eh, you know? Like, yeah, Josh Jacobs was the, the league rushing champion last year, but how many games did they win? Five games? Six games? Like, this is not... I, I, when you go into your second season, you need to have something that you can say, okay, we know we do this well. Let's continue to try to build off of that so that we can be in a position in year three where we're really competing. What did we see with the Detroit Lions last year, right? What did they really do well? Well, they can score freaking points, man. You know, Ben Johnson and, and Jared Goff had a really, really good partnership in terms of play caller quarterback. So we understood that if they could get their defense to play just that much, but met that much better, then they can go into year three and really contend. So far, it looks like they're doing that. I don't know what the Raiders do really well right now. I don't know what the Chicago Bears do really well right now. So that's where it's like you're in your second year as a head coach, right? You have to figure that out by midseason. Otherwise, the questions are really going to start coming.
1: And, and, Miles Simmons as well. Let's yeah. go a Candy. No, just to
3: we, – we, we used to be able to look at this team in the Gruden years and at least say – they were really good offensively, right? Like, whether they were running the ball well or whether Derek Carr was moving the ball in big chunks down the field, at least you knew that. And we were saying, well, if the defense can just catch up a little bit, right? Well, you have a team that scored 17 against Denver, including one short field gifted to you by Sean Payton. And Denver, we saw what happened to them on defense uh, this week. (laughs) They got rocked in Buffalo, and they barely got to 15 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So...
1: Demond sent over a question earlier, Miles. Who's the first NFL head coach who gets fired? I don't know that anyone will be fired during the season, but I will say we've got a we do have a situation coming up with the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, I don't know if you get where <laughs> I'm going here. I actually, I feel like Brandon Staley is safe. But if Jimmy E. doesn't play and you've got all this tumult around the Raiders and the Chargers find a way to lose at home in front of 80% Raiders fans, again, I'm not I, I, I like Staley and I don't like, I don't like this firing oh, in I. season stuff, but this is set up for a Charger's victory. They better friggin win it.
2: Well, I, I'm sorry, I know it's your show, but what is it that you like about Brandon Staley?
0: Get on a miles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what I don't what I don't, they,
1: what I don't like right now, no, 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 I
2: asked you what you liked.
1: <laughs> I actually I actually think he is a good head coach. Uh, why? Why? Well, that's the problem. On defense, there's been questions. Um, Thank you. Yes, that, and, that, and that's the biggest <laughs> problem. Um, I like his style. I do like his aggressive style, and I actually, I think he's gone away from it the last uh, couple of years because he got scared of doing it, but I like that he's kind of a new-age coach. I actually think he's a pretty good motivator. I prefer the nerds over the big galoots. I think he... I do believe he can motivate a team. I, I think their biggest problem kind of goes – and, and this, their biggest problem goes back to the O.C., and I don't understand why Staley can't step in. If you're going to go for it in what we now call the safe situations, going for it on fourth and one, then go for it. Stop running the freaking ball. I love the signs that I saw out of this game. Herbert can throw 55 times. You can't run the ball and you don't have Eckler. Let's go. Stop being afraid of everyone and, oh, you got to run the ball and pound the opponent, but do it. Show the balls that you show in going forward on fourth and one and do it. Scare people. Well, I, or just let Justin Herbert fall forward and get a
2: yard. I mean, I don't well, I don't get I don't that one. Why, why, why don't they sneak? Well, uh, you know, he's done it before. He's yeah. actually very good at it. So, like, it's not something that he hasn't practiced. That's more the thing that I get bothered by Is Okay, you can make the decisions, but what are we doing on fourth and one, right? They did kind of the same thing last year at Cleveland, where if Cade York had just hit a 50-yard field goal, then A, he might still be employed today, and B, the the Chargers would have lost a game. Because they went for it on fourth and one in minus territory and they didn't get it. When you go for it on fourth and one in minus territory and the other team has Jeff- Justin Jefferson, you should lose. Because guess what? If you're forcing Kirk Cousins to go down the field with zero timeouts, I mean, it's Kirk freaking Cousins, okay? I'm sorry. What are we doing? Why are we overthinking these things? And yes, it it makes sense in a lot of ways to try to go for the win there because if you get that first down, you win. But if you're gonna do that, let's think through the process of what it is that we're doing. Why are we turning around and handing it to some fullback who's not used to lining up in a fullback formation? I think they gave it to Joshua Kelly and tried to give him Mm -hmm. that one yard and he's lining up as a fullback. He ain't a fullback, he's a running back. He's used to getting three or four steps before he gets to the line of scrimmage, not two. So. That's bad process. If you're the head coach, you call the play. Mike Tomlin says it all the time. Yeah, I did that. I called the play because I'm the head freaking coach. It's on Brandon Staley to make sure that these things get right. And I'm sorry. That defense has been sorry for the last two-plus years now, and he's supposed to be the defensive guru. So I, I just... I don't see it with Brandon Staley. I understand some of the things that he's been trying to do, but that's a game that the Chargers should have lost because of the head coach, okay? And if Kevin O'Connell hadn't been so freaking disappointing and they're talking with Kirk Cousins about, oh, we couldn't hear, we couldn't hear at the end of the game. What does this mean? I'm sorry for the radio audience, but I am pulling my hand (laughs) up and down in a spike Spike, motion. That's all the communication you need. You spike the ball. You have 20 plus seconds left and you have three shots at the end zone with Justin Jefferson. So it was just – it was a bad coaching off, man, and so, yeah. I don't really remember where you started well, there, but that's I started with, what I think. I about.
1: started with uh, I like Staley, then you said why, and then okay. I got boxed in a corner. I had to fight my way out because I, I don't think I've ever verbalized why I like him, and I think the <laughs> biggest reason I like him is no one else does.
2: Okay, that's like it just pisses fair. me
1: off that old guard are like analytics, man, man, eh, stupid. Not, no, Go with but, your gun, It's old school football. Shut up. But it's up.
2: not just old guard stuff. Like this, he's making decisions that you think are right, but you can't just use analytics and say, "All right, yeah, that's right because the numbers say it." You got to know what your personnel is. You have to know the situation. You have to know your opponent. You have to use analytics as a tool to help you, not just oh the numbers say it, so that's right. But, no. Why are you doing a fullback dive with a fullback who's not a fullback? Do a quarterback sneak and go. Like make use it to make good decisions, or throw the football, or throw the football. I forty of forty seven he finished. Yeah, forty of forty seven Justin Herbert finished. It could have been forty one of forty eight, and you would have been all right.
1: Well, then maybe his biggest flaw is if he's going to make the decision to go for it on fourth and one, then he has to approve the play. Because the stupid runs over the last three years in these situations have been maddening with two different offensive coordinators. And that means, hey, the buck stops with you. you got to make the decision and you tell them, uh, hey, the best guy on the team is Herbert. Maybe the second most reliable guy on the team is Keenan Allen, who was on his way to like 40 catches in one game. Yeah. Use that combo. It,
2: yes. Well, I mean, again, he's the head coach. Yeah. So, you know, if you're telling him to go for it, hey, if it's fourth and one, let's sneak it. like I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, 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 there's nothing that uh, Brian Johnson needs to run by yeah. Nick Sirianni when it's third or fourth and one. You know why? Because they've been through it through the week and they have a process and they understand. Hey, we're doing the tush push. Boom, we're going which, and, and we're going to get it. Which does bring up times out of hundred.
1: Another question: Why can't every team do the tush push?
2: Because they don't have the personnel. I mean, Jalen Hurts can squat like 500 plus pounds. That's part of why he can burrow his way through. And you've got Jason Kelsey at center. You got two really good guards like that. Most teams just don't necessarily have that. If you right. look at like the Chiefs, for instance, like Patrick Mahomes, when he the last time he tried to sneak, his knee was on the side of his leg, right? So that's why they don't do it. They use a tight end to do it instead, and then they try to get too cute and do other things. When really, if you're in third or fourth and one, and you're the Chiefs. Hand it to freaking Isaiah Pacheco and let that dude do the thing he does, which is run with passion, with violence, and just go into the line and you get a first out. I mean, it's one yard. Like I, I don't know. Teams overcomplicate things more than they need to.
1: Miles, what do you got on TV this week?
2: Uh, tomorrow morning I will be on PFT Live with Mike Florio. So that is at 7 Eastern. It's very, very early Pacific, but you can catch the replays. All day, if you want, and all week, if you want, um, on Peacock, and then also
1: you can get those clips on YouTube. Miles, thank you. Good spot. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good week. That was good. That was good. He beat me up there a little bit. Yeah, I was loving bit. it. I was, I was going in circles, and then, then as, as he was answering, I'm like, you know why I like him? Because no one else does. Is that a good enough reason? I'm not sure. But yeah. it kind of, it's kind of the same reason that uh, Keyshawn and Michael Irvin are using with, uh, with Dion.
0: So just, you know what? I like him. You Cause, didn't watch cause, the segment because I want to.
1: Because I want to. They
0: didn't necessarily agree with Skip on that being Black America's team. Oh, they didn't? No.
1: Well, we talked about it yesterday. Candy, you missed a good conversation yesterday. Uh, Michael Irvin was just getting blasted by some fans because he was wearing Colorado stuff uh, at the game. And Kane's fans were like, dude, what are you doing? What what the hell is going on with you? You have Colorado stuff on. Cut it out. And then, of course, even on Twitter – When you start seeing catch from Michael Irvin, you're like, oh, crap. He's having a conniption like he does on TV, which is very entertaining. Very entertaining. All right, on the way back, uh, we'll make one last point about Brandon Staley. And then uh, we do have to get to a very serious situation. I don't know what's going on with Chandler Jones. I don't know what we can say. And I'll tell you who absolutely is in that position. Josh McDaniels, they don't have any idea what the hell to do and what the public stand should be.
0: Fourth and one at your own 24 after Minnesota spends their last
3: time out you run Josh Kelly up the middle on a fourth and one at your own 24 that is the kind of mistake a coach can make with him and his analytics he pulled this crap two years ago too that is not analytics that's stupidity and that's the kind of mistake that makes people like me look at that and go huh I wonder if the gamblers got to him
0: Now. Back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: That got JVT squirming yesterday. Uh, Chris Carlin, who does middays nationally with Joe Fortenbaugh, uh, Carlin with the dig on analytics a couple times and then alleges that an NFL head coach is on the take because of gamblers. That's interesting. I don't know what to say. Another New Jersey native, unfortunately, just was not up to snuff to get into the, uh, the state university, but what can you do? Um, no personal shots. Candy is just, he's just sitting across the way with a microphone against his head.
3: That is willfully stupid. You have to intend to be that stupid. And I'm not saying, oh, well, maybe he's a little mistaken. Oh, well, maybe he needs a little formation. No, you're a freaking idiot. You're a moron. You are a willful idiot if you say that sort of thing about an NFL head coach, A, being on the take, and B, blaming it on analytics, but especially, A, about an NFL head coach being on the take. Let's get to the analytics part, and let's just get this blown up once and for all. The idea of analytics on Brandon Staley's fourth down decision gets completely thrown in the trash when you run the play that you run. The whole idea behind the analytics of the decision and the information that it gives you, which is to say you have the ability to win this game if you run the clock out, period, which is what you want to do. You want to have the ball and run the clock out and not give it back to Minnesota. That's exactly what you want to do. So analytics starts before fourth down. You want to run a play on first down and on second down and then on third down, which gets you to the point of knowing you're trying for it on fourth down. But if you're at the point, where it's fourth down and it's fourth and one analytics is taking into consideration that Justin Herbert is your quarterback and that you are a passing team that has gone 40 of 47 on the day and that you have a receiver who has 16 catches (laughs) it is taking into consideration the quality of not only your quarterback but of the opposing quarterback and like it or not the metrics like Kirk Cousins, and they sure as hell like Justin Jefferson. So don't blame it on analytics because Brandon Staley can't
1: figure out how to actually use the spreadsheet that was put in front of him. Adam Candy, Steve Cofield, second half of the five o'clock hour. Damon is here as well. You're very passionate. Very passionate about math and football and analytics and decision making, which I appreciate. Uh, Candy's also very passionate about mental health. And we've got a situation here that's been going on for about three weeks with Chandler Jones. It sounds and appears to be very scary. He's having a lot of troubles. The latest stuff that has come out, allegations of being forced to be hospitalized. Where are we on this? What do we know? And what are the Raiders supposed to be doing? I think the biggest problem right now is that the more we
3: find out The more concerned we all should be and the more questions we all should be asking, especially if you are someone who is a media member around the Raiders. And I'm not saying they're not. Don't take this as a shot at anybody, you know, who covers the Raiders day to day. But what we saw most recently from Chandler Jones was a post that he did, which was photos of a journal that he had done probably four or five pages of that journal Where he laid out some very disturbing circumstances, claiming that he was taken into custody against his will, that he was injected with something that he doesn't know what it is, that he was forced to sleep on a floor, that his father was having to come and try to read Bible verses to him to help him try to keep himself together, that he had been injected multiple times now with no idea, and... I'm not here to pass any judgment on any of it. I have no idea what the man is going through. But it has now reached a point, and I think it reached a point a long time ago, but it is most definitely at a point where someone from the Raiders organization needs to make clear that the guy's okay. I I don't want to know when he's coming back. I don't want to know if he's coming back. I don't want to know what his gripe is with the organization. And that person shouldn't have to be Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is a football coach. He's not here to tell you whether Chandler Jones is okay. This needs to be Dave Ziegler. This needs to be Mark Davis. This needs to be someone who they don't have to tell us the details of his situation. That's not their job. And it's probably well beyond at this point what they're allowed to share. But what we're seeing from Chandler Jones, it is something that requires that someone tell us he's okay. And you talked about my passion about mental health. I've shared it on this show before. I'll share it again. I have my own challenges when it comes to mental health. I am someone who has regularly seen a therapist. I am someone who has medication for dealing with the things that I deal with. I think we have to be okay talking about these things. We have to be okay putting them out in front of people and acknowledging them. And I'll be very clear about the fact that I have never had thoughts of Harming myself or suicidal ideations as they say to you, but I have absolutely been in a place where I understand how people get there and Chandler Jones appears to be in one of those places where something is wrong well beyond the pale and what the Raiders organization owes us to answer your question Mm -hmm. is just to tell us that the guy's okay because he has said that members of the Raiders organization came to his house At one point during this whole process that members of the raiders organization were involved in the process of having him mentally evaluated and at the point where they have been brought into this by chandler jones the raiders as a public facing organization here need to at least be able to tell us you know what it's a personal situation but chandler's getting the help that he needs that's it we need to know that much because otherwise it really looks like this is a very public slide that is happening
1: And no one's acknowledging what's going on, and that's disturbing. So what should we address first? Um, Who from the Raiders should be speaking, or if the media has asked the questions? I want to start start with
3: the Raiders organization, because we can get to the part about the the media.
1: Um, I mean, I would think that Sandra Douglas Morgan was brought in to be the face of the organization in situations like this. You and I have gone round and round. Uh, it's nothing against Mark Davis. He's just not equipped to be in the public in these situations. It's not being mean. Like some people have the ability, you know, and some people don't. I thought this was one of the things I never envisioned this happening, but when you need a, a, an organization spokesperson, I mean, if we go back to what happened with Gruden, right, Mark Davis was, and he gave a couple of quotes here and there. He really, he was too close to the situation to handle speaking publicly about it. That would be a spot where Sandra Douglas Morgan could step up. So I don't know. Um, obviously, there's far-reaching legal ramifications and things they have to be careful about. She's She does come from the legal world, so I assume she'd be qualified on that front. I don't know. Um, I do know the, we'll say the four or five like really qualified media people who cover the Raiders, I think, have tried. Um I think there's been a lot of stonewalling because of the fear of that legal front and then i think there's also been efforts to speak to other people about the situation maybe outside and around the organization and then people inside the organization have taken upon themselves to tell media people to stop doing that you don't know what you're doing mind your own business so
3: and that's absolutely counterproductive to what, what should be happening and so that's why i said it's not That's why I said I'm not pinning this on anybody in the media, but I'm saying if I were given the opportunity to ask the question, and it would be the only question I would be asking right now until it got an answer. I wouldn't be asking you about Jimmy Garoppolo's concussion protocol. I wouldn't be asking you about whether Josh Jacobs can get untracked. I would be asking this question very specifically. Is Chandler Jones okay? Right. That's it. I'm not asking you to tell me what's going on with this situation. I'm asking you as someone who clearly has the information, because if you're telling people you don't know what you're doing by asking the questions, then, you know.
1: Have I and and I'll admit, I mean, you know, we're doing a lot. We're stretched thin and that's not a really good excuse. We should be up and connected on everything. Um, Has anyone you mentioned the the father being there from the Jones family and Bible verses that's coming just from Chandler or from the father? No,
3: that came from Chandler Jones. If if you read through everything that he posted, he wrote about it in the journal that he is apparently keeping while he's in, I believe it was a place called Healthy Heroes, uh, was where he said that he was being, uh, being, I I don't know, evaluated, held, treated, whatever the case might be. Again, these are the things we don't know.
1: Damon, I want to loop you in on this conversation because you're very familiar with the family, and the fighting part of the family, and there is another football part of the family, right? His, his brother Art played in the NFL. John is a very high-profile person in the sports world, and he's got his own, you know, is- issues. I don't want to officially say it's addiction, but he's, you know, he's run off the rails a couple of times. Uh, you know, the, the uh, fun police needed to come and, and rein him in. I'm surprised that no one from the family has spoken on this. And again, I, they don't have to, it's a private matter, but to Candy's point, like at least alleviate all of our fears that like this is going to end really badly and is Chandler completely honest or connected on what he's saying because what's come out with Chandler Jones, just from Chandler Jones is incredibly
0: distressing. I think that from the sta- from a fan standpoint, I'm right there with you where his brother Arthur, you know, not he didn't just have a cup of coffee in the league. He was on that Super Bowl winning Ravens team. You know, so, you know, a a contributing player there, John Jones, one of the greatest of all time when it comes to mixed martial arts. And I do follow John and Chandler, both on all social media platforms. So when I do see John Jones, you know, posting a training video or just outliving his life, I'm one of those people who want to be in John Jones's comments like, have you checked on your brother? Because there hasn't been an acknowledgement of, hey, my brother is going through something. My younger brother. I talk to my younger brother every day that's in college and making sure he's fine, making sure, hey, how's class is going? So I just couldn't imagine my younger brother, going through something so publicly and me having no comments on it.
1: Candy, are we, are we off base expecting something from the family?
3: I, I, no, I don't think we're completely off base, but I think we're farther on base when we talk about the Raiders organization because the reason that Chandler Jones is a public face in Las Vegas is because he's a member of the Las Vegas Raiders. And very, very specifically, Chandler Jones said that the Raiders were at his door, that the Raiders were there checking on him. And at the point where we now know, or at least are being told, that the Raiders were part of the process of evaluating Chandler Jones and his well-being, then it is completely in bounds for us to be asking repeatedly, even if they keep saying, we can't talk about it. I, I, I am making the public point of asking that question every day.
1: Three six four, Let's give away a prize here. Power Trip, three-day show, concert at uh, Indio, California, Coachella. That's where the home of uh, Coachella is, Indio, California. Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Tool, Judas Priest, Metallica, Iron Maiden. Tickets for all three days, two tickets for all three days, October 6th to the 8th. You can get your own tickets at powertrip.live. But right now, damon has got a pair for Power Trip. Caller seven three six four eleven hundred. Cofield and Company presents.
0: Hold on, big up. Big up. Grand
3: bag.
0: Don't touch it. Don't even look at
3: it. Only on ESPN
1: Las Vegas.
2: Stick your hand in there,
1: Dave. I'll tell you. As soon as I heard Candy, the uh, the ESPN national show with the Staley thing and trying to. You know, annihilate analytics, but more importantly, making a statement that uh, the only other explanation is that Brandon Staley, the gamblers got to him. I don't know what was funnier, your reaction from a, like a body standpoint, you started shaking or JVT. You guys both went off the deep end and I'm telling you, as soon as I heard it, I was like, this has got to be pulled. These guys are going to go freaking crazy over this. Just, hey. It's so dumb, and it's so irresponsible, and ESPN Bet is on the way! Isn't that the worst part, right? ESPN just made its big move
3: into sports betting. No one benefits from a statement that ridiculous. No one. He doesn't even benefit personally from saying something that I, dumb.
1: It's amazing. Uh, I, I Sorry to cut you off. I, this is not to brag. I feel like I had... I have a lot of moments where I don't show common sense on the air. I get a little crazy. Um, but I feel like from the get-go here in Vegas, and obviously I was a little bit familiar with traditional gambling in Atlantic City in New Jersey. But from the get-go here in Vegas, anytime I heard someone say, the fix is in, uh, something's fishy, I, I, I just laughed at people. And I remember doing a rant. I'd have to I'd think back. Maybe it was like... Oh, five or six. Bob Arum, who's made most of his living here in Las Vegas, flipped out after a De La Hoya fight and was like, you know, with the judges, it was like, there's something off with the judges. You know, what do you expect whether in a state or a place like Vegas with gambling? And I, I went on the air and I was like, what? I don't understand people always running to this. It must be fixed. It is so freaking insulting. Uh, it is time for the grab bag. By the way, Daman, I think we're going to go out. I don't know if you have it all set up, but I think we're out at fifty-four fifty today. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure of that. Um, some days we leave at fifty-seven fifty, but if we have games coming up, we get out early. Just want to be on the same page. Normally, I don't listen to Joe Namath. Um, he's a little long in the tooth, and you know. Uh, I want to kiss you. That kind of that threw me off. Um, but he ranted about the Jets and Zach Wilson. Your thoughts and what do you think is happening here?
3: Yeah, and I'll be honest with everybody in our audience. I I sent this along and I refused to discuss why <laughs> I wanted to talk about this before the show. You're right. You're um, right. He did. That's right. I want this to be. I want this to be pure Uh-oh. because I have. I have a theory that I. I know it's right. I absolutely know it's right. So if you didn't see it, Joe Namath went out there and ripped Zach Wilson, said he's done with him. He didn't need to say anymore. He's terrible. And that is the greatest quarterback in the history of the New York Jets, telling you that the current quarterback of the New York Jets is no good, and he's terrible, and I'm going to tell you why, because that has nothing to do with football. Not a single thing to do with it. Really? But it has, it has something to do with, was something that Steve Cofield feels very close to, to his heart about. And it's something that Zach Wilson can relate to. And it's something that you know Joe Namath oh, can stop, relate to. Stop.
1: Don't do this.
3: I think Joe Namath is a little pissed that Zach Wilson's in his dating pool. I think, it's, I think the problem here is that Joe feels like Zach's cutting in on his action. Joe and Zach, they're going for the same ladies. And let me tell you something. So is Steve Cofield. Yeah. And so that... Is why I wanted to know, Steve Cofield, why you have been so quiet about this subject for the last two days. You haven't talked about this. You haven't <laughs> di- you haven't discussed why Joe Namath. What what are you what are you hiding? Are you hiding the um, same thing Joe Namath is hiding? He, uh, Joe Namath is hiding. He doesn't want to say it. He doesn't want to say it out loud. But I think Zach Wilson being in New York has cut into his action with the uh, with the mature set.
1: So first of all. Let's not overstep with uh, I'm going for the gilfs. I'm in a committed relationship. Um, do I have an affinity and appreciation for the Jane Fonda types? Of course, is Helen. I Mirren, don't know where your hall passes are. Is, is Helen I Mirren no is Helen Mirren just sizzling hot? Of course she is. Um, I'll be honest, on on Joe, I stayed away from it and I, I slipped it out a couple times uh, yesterday. Not that out, but uh, I, did you? I made the comment well, yesterday. Now we're, on the show, well, now
3: we're, underst-
1: now we're getting yeah, somewhere no, as I to made, why you haven't talked about I this. I made the comment on the show yesterday I'm not doing Jets. Okay. I've got to refrain until like maybe middle of the week to do some flip out Jets thing because the Jets are back to where they were for the last four or five years. And I would say all the time on the show, the the Jets are so bad and so pathetic that I would go to sports bars around town, and if there were eight or nine games in the morning, eight games in the morning, and they only had seven satellites or TVs, like I was just I did I and they didn't have the Jets game on. I wouldn't even walk up and ask for the Jets game on because I'm like I don't they don't deserve it and I don't deserve it. And I have to I have to walk that line on a Las Vegas show. I will not sit here and talk about this asshat team. I mean, could I do? A few minutes on Trevor Simeon, of course I could. But instead, I'm just gonna go into the car right after the show, have some more warm milk, slam my face into my seat, and just scream for minutes at a time. Or I mean, you know what? I'll just, I, I don't even have to do that. I will just close the windows and it might get hot and I might not get air, but I will just scream and then grab the wheel, right? But I will not do
0: it on this show.
1: Say thank you, Damon. I, I will not subject you to this Jets nonsense.
0: I want more of it, actually.
1: And, and Candy, up yours, because I can see you laughing. You're up ducking yours. the question, and we all know it. That's we all it know That's it. That's what it is. Yep. I don't like Zach Wilson, because he likes my women. Damn you.